Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Conspire a Theory. I have with me Thin Lizzie Borden. Thin Lizzie Borden from the YouTube channel. You've probably seen her around the SOR chat rooms moderating them. And I've just seen her. I've run into her recently at an outing of Spaced Out Radio where they did a live Vegas thing. That's where we met for the first time. And since then, you know, I, I've, I've just I've just become enamored with this this woman. She is so awesome and so cool. And I get this sort of, you know, these just fun vibes off of off of you, Lizzie. And hopefully after this show, everybody's going to see you as, you know, their fun big sister, too. So say hello. Then Lizzie Borden. Oh, thank you, Chris. I really appreciate that. That's that's very sweet of you. Hello, everyone. We first met, I think, at Las Vegas, but mm-hmm. I've known you through the Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Mostly you, you're one of the moderators, one of the regular moderators. And oftentimes you'll come on to some of the shows sometimes as, you know, just regular talent. Yeah. I've done um, uh, when when Dave like roundtables and also um, the after hours. Um, I did that uh, two times for for a little bit. Yeah, I, I you know I'm kind of everywhere in the YouTube ufology and you know cryptid world. You can kind of yeah, yeah. catch the, me wherever. <laughs> the paranormal corners of of the interwebs. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, your specialty seems to be more, you know, witch type things. Yeah. Is, is that right? Yes, correct. Um, I am a witch uh, or a bruja um, in the Mexican culture. And it's just kind of, um, I guess, probably around uh, seven years ago, I kind of um, like everything kind of came together. And that's when I started on my uh, witch witchy path. That's cool because um, and another thing that I noticed, like during one of the chats, that really perked me up was you have a a dual lineage. Mm-hmm. You're you're biracial. Yeah, and I, and mm-hmm. you know myself coming from a similar uh, lineage of of you know Hispanic Mexican heritage and Northern European Swedish. Um, ancestry mm-hmm. you know you have a, a similar sort of north um, lineage and southern uh, hispanic cultural lineage as well could you explain that yeah um i've uh looked online years ago at the kind of the terms of what you know um slang terms what different ethnicity mixes are and then i saw years ago so if someone's Hispanic and Scandinavian, it would be Hispandinavian. So mm-hmm. um, I am, my mother is uh, Mexican. Um, the best that I can trace would be of Aztec um, ancestry. And my dad is um, Norwegian and a little bit of English for my, my grandpa, but his mom is Prussian. So I have that And each culture has a lot of um, spirituality or their own um, witch, you know, shamans or witchcraft as well. So it's all interesting. You know, when when I did the tracing as best I could through uh, Ancestry, they they circled it. They change it like every few year, every few months, every now and then. And I think it's circled mostly Mm -hmm. around 
before it was in like more uh, southern Mexico. Now it's more like in central Mexico type of mm-hmm. thing. And that's just the best that they could do at the time. And yeah, then the other lineage, you know, goes always like always change and update. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the the other side is like goes straight into Sweden. You know, there there's it, it's pretty it's pretty you know straight there because on on mm-hmm. my my father's side is Swedish, mm-hmm. and they did a pretty good job of of keeping that family tree thing going, mm-hmm. keeping track of that. On my mother's side, it's a bit more mixed up. Yes, same with mine. And I don't know if it's it's Aztec. I guess that's just what they tell us. Yeah, that's but, what I've been. That's yeah, what I've been told. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just in, until we get, you know, new information coming in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as far as that, you know, that that is like because one of the things that I I do want to talk about is you know growing up biracial and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was it was it's always something you know different when when you have like a branching lineage like that, especially with racial tensions being what they are right now with Mm -hmm. everybody, you know, getting their purity tests here and there. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is when you're mixed, you know, when people start, you know, joking about the race war and stuff like that, Oh, the race Mm -hmm. war is a coming. And and we're like, people like us are like, "Mm, yeah, we're like the first people that are going to be, you know, taken out by that because we're not going to fit into anyone's camp type of Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, and and you know the thing is with, you know, tribalistic stuff like that, it's like you don't pick who accepts you type of thing. And and that's sort of a a a thing that it doesn't matter, you know, how much into a culture you are, you know, if if it's gone on superficial, you know, just such superficiality like that, you know, it's not going to matter if you don't look right type of thing and and mm-hmm. and with that I always can't help but giggle a bit, you know, when I hear, you know, racial purity talk. Mm-hmm. But growing up, it's not really something that I get to talk to with other people. Because mm-hmm. before, in a, in a prior interview, I had another witch guest who was also biracial. Uh-huh. And and I, I tried to speak with her about it. And then she just flipped the fuck out on oh. me. Oh. And I guess I had to bury that interview, unfortunately. And and I I tried to salvage it and, and you mm-hmm. know go back to her, you know, but she just she burned that bridge. So it's it's like oh, okay, sorry. Oh. So that's why when I come here, when I approach you, I try to clear it with you first because yeah, it's it's something that I really don't get to talk to that much about with with people often that much. No, I I get it. And when you do find someone to talk, you know, that will understand you don't know how they'll react. Um, So it's like, you don't know if you're safe with someone or not. Like you were saying how um, your prior guest kind of, it it was triggered, it seems like. And not, and that's the thing about being biracial. There might be underlining trauma, uh, history and everything that other people won't necessarily think of. Um, But I mean, yeah, it seems like you got like, you mm-hmm. potentially got a whole side of the family that doesn't accept you type of thing that the that potential is there mm-hmm. yeah i've i mean my um my dad's side so the the norwegian my norwegian grandpa um borden he didn't treat any of us grandchildren different and it was like they're so i looking back on it it's like you know progressive you know, to have, 
you know, your kids dating all kinds of different ethnicities at that time, because I grew up in Minnesota. Um, and so people can probably tell because of my accent that I sound like I'm from Minnesota. I mean, my uncle John and aunt Deb, they were dating when you couldn't, when interracial dating was illegal for black and whites to date. And so my aunt Debbie is African-American and my uncle John is like my dad, you know, Scandinavian. And so, you know, we had mulatto kids. We have, you know, um, my family, which, you know, it's the Mexican, you know, um, so mestizos, you know, and then we have my aunt married a Native American uh, man. And so uh, we have, we had the benefit of having a lot of different, different culture. I mean, our family looked all different shades. And whenever we would go out to eat at Perkins for a family dinner, the waitresses would always compliment us on our family being so beautiful. And like, that's something I'm very grateful for is that, you know, my Norwegian grandfather didn't treat any of us kids differently. And he didn't, you know, he was accepting of everyone. And I wish the world was more like that, you know, just accept people for who they are. Yeah, the the only time I think I ever felt or, or witnessed any cultural backlash when my I, I guess my my mom she's she's Hispanic and and we had gone to uh, I think I was ten or something of that nature we had gone deep into uh, the the Dakotas I think it was South Dakota and we were like at a church service and then as we were leaving you know I'm you know again I'm just a little kid my mom is grumbling. Because she heard some woman, woman, you know, must mutter under her breath about how my father, you know, oh, he's the one who's with that that his that Mexican woman type of thing, and it really bugged my mom, and 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 I think that's probably the only time that, but that's you know someone within the the community that's not like immediate family, you know, the the family was always you know opening and and welcoming and mm-hmm. and stuff like that, you know, because. I had like a, a really good family, you know, upbringing and stuff like this. Because when I see like one of the things growing up in the non in the nineties is when you see like a lot of you know like pretty much the modern family now is sort mm-hmm. of a, a sort of broken family. Mm-hmm. And back then we were sort of me and my siblings were sort of outliers because our parents were still together type of thing. Yeah, I mean it's similar with mine as well. Yeah, and and that was just you know, so odd, you know, but, but, you know, just, just growing up with, you know, and I consider it so grateful to have an upbringing like that where, you know, my parents stuck around and, and, and stuck out through it. And then on top of that, you know, having racial tensions from everyone else as well, but then, you know, probably during the, the early developing years, during the, probably the seventies and eighties, they probably would have seen more, but in the nineties and then on, you know, things were sort of, you know, on the, the things were, were looking better as mm-hmm. far as, you know, interracial type of thing. So, and it's not quite the caveat that it was before. Yeah, exactly. But it's, it's yeah. So when I saw that you had that sort of, that, like, I, I immediately, oh, I got to reach out mm-hmm. and talk to this person. I, I even call you cousin sometimes. Yeah. And that's the thing where it's like, it just feels like you're, you know, part of, of, a family member or, you know, and maybe that's the thing where people say when you run into 
people, um, certain people, how you have like a connection or you feel like you've always been friends or, you know, you feel like it's a family. It could totally be someone in your past life that you are interacting with currently in this life cycle. So who knows what our past lives, where they've been, but there's definitely a lot of similarities. And now uh, I'm 33. I was born in 88. My brother is nine years older than me. And so kind of kids that are, you know, I guess growing up that are grown up now, you know, in the 30s to say 45, um, you know, they're more mixed race kids. And it's at least it's like there's a chance that you we can talk, you know, someone else will understand our our issues, but it's still not as common or it's still like you have to still search for it. And so when you find people that have those connections, it's more valuable in my opinion, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I guess that sort of, you know, old school tribalism X aspect mm -hmm. that, you know, even though we try to usurp it sometimes, it's just seemingly superficial uh, things. It's very easy for people to get drawn to and relate to and, and that stuff. So it, it's just, it's something that you just can't help sometimes. Yeah. And that's the thing where, I mean, I didn't know I was different until another kid asked where I was from as a kid. I mean, I grew up in Minnesota, so, so probably compared to Texas, you know, the Latino Hispanic population is definitely like way drastic, like 5%, you yeah, know, more of an um, outlier. Yes. So I definitely, you know, got the, what are you, um, growing up and I got, what kind of Asian are you? And I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm, I'm not Asian, <laughs> you know, and I say what I am. Mm -hmm. And so otherwise people, you know, when they find out they're like, what, that's so weird. And it's like, I mean, I guess, there's a lot of different combinations of people out there, but I mean, that's coming from Minnesota. So it's yeah. probably different than, you know, if I grew up in Texas, but my grandpa Lopez, so my mom's dad was born in Texas. So he's Tex-Mex mm -hmm. and my grandma Lopez, she is from Mexico. Um, so I do have relatives in Texas currently that I have not met. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I remember, you know, growing up, I think I ran into that issue too, where I knew there was a racial difference between white people and black people, mm -hmm. but I didn't know that Hispanic people were a thing. I thought that Hispanic people were just white people with tans. Yeah. I didn't realize that until later on that, 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 Oh, that that's a different, they're different people because you know, that that's what, that's what was in my family type of thing. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about your YouTube channel Instagram and all that fun stuff, what you do, because you do a lot of, you're getting into the sort of, you know, um, which type of thing. And, and what, what does that entail? What are you learning there? Yeah. So for my YouTube channel, it's called Witch Police. And when I have chronic pain, so when I feel good to do card readings, I, um, I'll do free card readings on my YouTube, Witch Please. And I really enjoy doing tarot readings and um, it's something that I picked up when I had started seven years ago on my journey and 
I was scarily accurate and it kind of for a long for a few years it made me kind of you know I kind of set it down kind of like I was like oh my god how can I be this accurate like you you know you get uh, chills the psychic chills is what they say um but for my Instagram you know and social media I'm more active on that so I will it's I guess whatever whatever I find amusing or informative at the time. So um, now we're in Hispanic Heritage Month and I like to promote, you know, Latino, Hispanic businesses or groups or like bands or information just to share, you know, because this is the time that go to small businesses, go to Latino small businesses, you know, support people and education. So my social medias are more Hispanic heritage information right now. But I did go to Denver Gem and Mineral show uh, this weekend. So I have pictures from that. It's a hodgepodge of anything cool and witchy for my, my social medias. But yeah, I'm just always learning. And that's the thing where in for spirituality or anything in that paranormal realm, I have a hard time when people say that they're experts, experts in something. Um, so it's like, mm-hmm. I'm always a student, you know, you'll always be learning. But my grandma yeah. Lopez is someone that from her teachings, it kind of branched off into it makes sense for like witchcraft. Now I grew up Jehovah's Witness and that is very, very much, you don't celebrate holidays. You don't celebrate your birthday, Christmas, Halloween, nothing, you know? (laughs) And so growing up in that household, I never, I wasn't exposed to more Catholic traditions of the Mexican, you know, uh, or tales or any superstitions. My grandma wasn't really into that, but my grandma Lopez had a garden and uh, my mom and dad were working. And so my grandma and grandpa Lopez um, were retired at that time. And so they would watch me, you know, babysit me. And I would just take along with them if they would go run errands to the bank. I would uh, we would go and get some pan dulce and um, that's Mexican sweet bread. They used to get the puerco, like the, the uh, pig one. And I still get that now to this day because mm-hmm. it reminds me of my childhood. Um, but because of my grandma Lopez, she taught me homeopathic things. So holistic things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with holistic knowledge, now, in my working field, I was uh, in the beauty industry for over a decade. I used to do skincare, so esthetician stuff, and I used organic products. And so my knowledge of my grandma teaching me about herbs and plants and everything like that worked well in that working field. And so now, you know, when I was doing my research into you know, the witchy, you know, things, um, there's properties of herbs and everything where it's like a kitchen, witch uses stuff in her kitchen. And, you know, so it's like some, if something hurts someone, it's like, I 
go like my grandma Lopez and it's like, okay, what herbs do I have dried that I grew myself? You know, what's going to help this Y and Z. So, so growing up with a Jehovah's Witness grandma, you know, that love of gardening and homeopathic holistic things kind of branched out into witchcraft now. So it's kind of funny to think about the, you know, polar opposites. Yeah, I remember on Facebook a few years ago, this was way before the, the pandemic or anything. This was probably like five years before it, where Facebook did a huge crackdown on homeopathic anything. And and the community that was like in, in a big old up, all the communities were in a big old uproar. And of course, that's before mm-hmm. we had in, experienced any kind of lockdown on the level like we had now. And, and that, that'll probably get into some political stuff. And I'm not trying to get to that. But what I'm trying to get it, get into is the whole big tech type of sort of, you know, trying to sort of take that, the more homeopathic stuff and, and you know, sort of suppress it. It's like and it's under the, you know, under the guise of, you know, this is for your for your good type of thing. Whereas, you know, it instead of what the truth was, it was, you know, big pharma paying off Facebook. So that way they could, they could still push their products and, and seeing the homeopathic as competition. Mm-hmm. So basically getting them shut down. And of course now, you know, there's probably an, that same argument is probably still happening, but it's on a different scale and it's more mm-hmm. polarized and politicized now, but I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, stir up shit for that, mm-hmm. but it's just this more of this sort of, you know, the, the homeopathic is sort of like this occult hidden knowledge. And I mean, yes. occult as in, as in it's sort of, you know, hidden, mm-hmm. you know, not so much as in, you know, it's summoning spirits and demons and stuff like this, like the Hollywood, what we think of occult. Right. And there's always a sort of like push to preserve it, the, the homeopathic treatments and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm, well, have plethora of chronic pains. Um, but I use, I'm a cannabis advocate. So, I mean, I moved from Minnesota to Colorado so that way I can access medicine. Um, because all my various things, cannabis really does help with the pain management. And so what you were talking about, like the five years, five year ago thing, like, I mean, cannabis does help. I mean, CBD does help. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that's where, yeah, that would fall into, it's like, oh, that's natural. We can't have you. But I do understand where people do take things on the holistic side. They run with it too, too much where it's dangerous, where it's like, like colloidal silver is, you know, a spray that you, you know, a liquid that you can get at the health food store. But it's like, if you take too much of it, you're going to turn blue. So um, there's within reason, but like the natural things can help. And so I'm a firm believer of it. And like, I mean, I've seen my grandma, you know, my grandma's still, you know, still living in, in Minnesota, but you know, she's always went for the more organic natural option first. And, you know, it's like, I can have, you know, wife's tales, you know, um, the remedies, it's like what, you know, what the grandmas always say to do this for that. Um, but, yeah, it's, but but it's not not to the point that you're drinking turpentine or or anything like that or staring into the sun. Yes, yes, there's because 
Yeah, because yes. I'm, I'm all down with the, the homeopathic stuff, but the, I do understand where there is that side mm-hmm. that takes it too far. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, don't wear deodorant, you know, don't don't eat this type of stuff. Don't drink turpentine. Yeah. You know, and, I, and I'm like, oh, God, you know, th- this is this is I, you know, I'm down. I'm like, yeah, down with the whole independent stuff like this until you're like telling me to to do crazy shit. Then it's like at that point, I'm like, OK, I'm I'm out. Yeah, I mean that makes sense to us, but not not to everyone. Uh, yeah, the the whole homeopathic and, and and stuff of that argument, you know, it it's it's sort of a uh, you know because with that you're sort of it's sort of like a the the pills and stuff are great if you need like immediate mm-hmm. you know immediate relief of something like that if it's targeted. Yes. But with a homeopathic, it's more like you're changing your lifestyle type mm-hmm. of thing to, to stop doing what you're doing that's hurting you, but also to, you know, maintain a healthier alternative of, of that, you yeah. know, nature, which for mm-hmm. some people it, it works out. And for some people, you know, it they probably do need the, the fast track. Not that I'm, you know, I'm not saying that, oh, all medicine is bad or all pharmaceutical medicine is bad. You know, there, there's a time and a place. Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You have to be choosy with, you know, even with, you know, prescription medicine or over the counter, you know, I mean, I have to take ibuprofen and Tylenol like every day. So I've taken that for years every day. So what does it, you know, what is it that going to do to my body, you know, years down the line? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I guess with also the, the more homopathic type of type of thing and, with, you know, the active suppression of it, uh, this is, uh, uh, it's not something that just happened in the past five years, digging into it. Mm-hmm. This is something that's happened for like past century mm-hmm. when we had, you know, before, you know, children were birthed in the home and then we had midwives mm-hmm. and stuff like this. And we had, you know, women who were in prominent positions in society that would help out, you know, but now throughout society, they've been deemed as witches and stuff like this. Uh, you know, again, you know, not to just villainize Big Pharma because they're, you know, one of the culprits, but they're just an easy bad guy to point out because there's there's a paper trail. Mm-hmm. But the whole, you know, getting rid of the midwife as well, you know, and, and getting rid of this whole, you know, birthing at home. Now everyone has to be birthed in a hospital. Everyone has to be part of the system now. Mm-hmm. You know, my and- grandma... Uh, my great grandma Lopez. So my mom's grandma actually was a midwife and she helped deliver my mother. Hmm. thought that was pretty, that's pretty cool. But you know, they do. Something that, that probably nowadays would be, would definitely not be done anymore. Oh, well, they still have, um, they still have them, but um, I think it's regu- regulated now, you know, compared oh, yeah. to yeah. back in the day. But, and I mean, it's almost like, it's taking culture from people also. Yeah. It, it's sort of, yeah, it's regulated, but I mean, there are, there are hoops to jump through, mm-hmm. but it was like a more regular thing. Mm-hmm. Oh in yes. The, in the yeah. Past. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't thought of as crazy or weird or, mm-hmm. or anything. That's what the standard was. Yeah. And that gets into a, a conversation about, Mm-hmm. history being you know written and rewritten and stuff like that and mm-hmm. we see that happening and, and you're 
through your own, you know, bringing up of Hispanic culture and stuff like that. So this is sort of like looking into history and preserving it in a, in a sort of means. And we do see like pushback of, you know, I mean, in, in the conspiracy realms, there is a lot of, you know, everything is rewritten. The, the Tataria argument, the mud flood argument, the orphan trains, the, what is it? The world world's fair, all of these things, you know, all these arguments that Mm -hmm. history isn't what it is. And I'm not going to dig down on, on any specific ones, but you know, we do see sort of like people trying to actively rewrite history in a means and, and there's pushback, you know, from, from everybody about, you know, what, what really happened and stuff like this. And, and do you run into a lot of that? Like, uh, like, you know, either witnessing history being rewritten in, in your, in your Um, research? Yeah. I mean, I mean, the whitewashing of like our Hispanic heritage happens all the time. Um, but there is pushback and I mean, an instance where uh, I shared a meme or not a meme. It was a picture of a lady in the day of the dead, um, you know, um, painted face and everything. And then it said a friendly reminder, if you're not, you know, part of the Rasa. So like the family, you know, don't dress like this on Halloween. And so that actually got me, um, flack on Facebook from someone. And they said that these people, that's a culture and they're human and I can dress as any culture I want. And so that fight back, is because someone is told they shouldn't do something. And it's always a certain type of people that start arguments with me or they are, um, they want to fight back or, um, rewrite yeah. history or, you know, yeah, they, yeah, it's like, I got to take a stand and, and you're in the way. Well, and that's the thing now, everything is so woke, anti-woke. It's either woke or anti-woke. Um, but yeah, and, and I, I do have an argument for that because I feel that the woke is sort of used as a, as a means of, of covering, in entertainment, it's used to cover up bad writing. But, mm-hmm. you know, as, as far as that, I, you know, I feel that there is some argument for it, but also some of it is like, well, you know, it, it's not that big a deal as, as people are making it out to be, but yeah, go, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. To well, no, no. With, with that now people are, you know, are going to use that as a slur where it's like, I'm not, I'm just educating people about my heritage. I'm not trying to say anything like you need to do this, Y, X, Y, and Z. Like, and so it's like, I don't get flack when I share my Norwegian heritage stuff, you know, it's like, hmm. it's, you know, it's like, yeah, maybe it's, it's time to start to be fair. So next time you post Norwegian stuff, I'll come in there. <laughs> rawr, 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 there you go. They, there you go. Um, but you know, it's <laughs> like, like with the, the Aztecs and the, um, the, the UFO, um, the history channel, you know, ancient aliens, that show oh, yeah. I watched, there was a Ted talk of a lady from 
uh, she was a teacher from uh, Boulder uh, campus. And it was a really good, like, it was a really good um, segment and talk about how the ancient cultures are being, you know, the, the history is kind of being muddied. And so, like, I thought that was a great thing, but, you know, to bring to maybe a story, but it made me think of, I would probably, there would be so much pushback and gripe and anything about that. And so I didn't, you know, I didn't share that. And that was like over a year ago, but it's like, that's where people don't think about like the ancient, you know, ancient aliens show how it could be damaging those ancient cultures where what the only thing someone's going to remember about the Aztecs is, oh, I remember that they had an astronaut carving. They were ancient aliens. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, that might not be accurate. And that's the only thing you know about this culture. Like, I, I view that as it could be damaging. Um, now, people just need to educate themselves. Yeah. You know, they need to search on multiple different, you know, um, sources. You know, there, there's so much more to the culture and story, mm -hmm. but that's work. Yes. And the people want to be spoon fed the mm -hmm. information and, and you're, you're doing the work. Mm -hmm. And so, mm -hmm. um, I do share, um, there is another story that I'm, I'm going to be sharing on my, the social media, but you know, it's, it's the history of, you know, the border towns, how, the people that were in the border town, you know, in Mexico working in the United States, they were gassed to go in and out. Like the same stuff that the bad people in Europe used on a certain kind of people. Like, mm. and so there's a great YouTube video about it. And it's like, I didn't know this stuff. Like in school, they don't teach you any of this stuff. It's like, yeah, yeah it's like, it's like everybody's got blood on their hands, no matter what. Yeah, I mean, everyone has, I mean, history is not always pleasant. and But history needs to be retold so it doesn't happen again. But when you retell history, some people don't like it. And they'll, you know, fight you tooth and nail about it. And so... Yeah, it, it's, a, it's like a they see it as a personal affront to them. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not attacking you. I'm just sharing information about what happened. Like, I'm not accusing you. Like, chill out, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. But, I've sort of come to terms that, you know, on that with my lineage, it's just a collection mm -hmm. of, you know, conquerors and rapists and stuff like this. And and that's probably why they're successful because that, you know, because they, they did the dirty work. Yeah. You know. I mean, that's, I mean, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm part you know, Norwegian, Viking, what did they do? They raped, pillaged, and took what they wanted, and they conquered. So mm -hmm. I do, you know, I do not, well, you know, if you're Mexican here, or if you're Mestizo, you have Spaniard in you. So, you know, we have that, the, the native in us, and then we have the Spaniards who, you know, raped and pillaged, you know, the yeah. natives in Mexico. Yeah, yeah, and what gets me is, you know, this is probably just a Hispanic thing, and I'm, I'm probably, you know, is it 
Spanish is still used to gatekeep Hispanic culture. Because mm-hmm. I remember growing up, my mom, she spoke Spanish because I'm a second generation Latino, mm-hmm. so I don't know any Spanish. Mm-hmm. And my mom didn't teach it to me. And, and I, I tell myself it's because so that way she could gossip openly with, with the neighbors and stuff while I'm on the floor playing with my cars and stuff like this. <laughs> And and it's like, you know, whenever the only time I ever heard my mom speak Spanish was when she was, you know, with the neighbors or when the aunt would come over, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 it's just, you know, that's that's the only time, you know, you know, like like uh, Aunt Lucy or, or Tia Carol. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's just, the you know, that's the only time I heard them speak in Spanish. They would get into their little coven yes. in, in the kitchen and mm-hmm. just, you know, blah, 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 blah. gossip. Yeah, it's yeah. called. Um, uh, I think. Uh, oh, I forgot. It, cheese, cheesema, or cheesemas. Uh, it's like the gossipers. But my mom, um, you know, was, yeah, I'm second generation. So my mom, well, she was born in Florida, um, and so they moved to Minnesota in when my mom was like five. So it was in like the fifties, sixties. And when the neighbors heard that Mexicans were moving in town, my mom said that she was told by a little neighbor kid that when we heard Mexicans are coming in town, we thought you guys were going to come in on a burrow. Mm. And so (laughs) my, my mom had a very hard time growing Mm. up in Minnesota. She was teased so bad and no i mean my my grandparents at the time she would tell them that these kids are teasing me at school but they didn't do anything like i mean they're they want to fit in they want to assimilate you know yeah, and yeah, so that, at that they, point it was... they're not causing you know my grandparents didn't go to the teachers about my mom being called the n-word being called mm. indian everything she wasn't by this michael murphy (laughs) call out his lineage for you know hurting hurting my mom's feelings but you know this guy would just torment her and so that she still has that to this day and um it affects her so she did not teach us spanish and so i took spanish in high school and i didn't get it and then the next year i took japanese and i got it just like that and so that's weird that I got Japanese, but I had a hard time with Spanish. So the Spanish I know nowadays is just pure Spanglish of learning certain words. And so uh, I I can I know more than my brother. So it is kind of a coded language that I can say with my when I'm by my mom, you know, and mm-hmm. we're around my brother and dad that um my brother doesn't know as much Spanish as I do. So it is kind of a coded. <laughs> so I do understand where you, what you're saying, where it's like you, I mean, I saw my mom speak Spanish only to my, my grandparents and it yeah. was broken Spanish. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, when we go to like a Mexican restaurant, you know, in Minnesota, like I'm like, mom speak Spanish. And she's like, no, no. She's like, I don't, I'm not good at it. Like she doesn't, know the proper conjugation and everything like that you know because what she talks to her mom is just kind of slang where it's not you know doesn't matter if it's proper or not yeah and and even then you know even in the more spanish-speaking cultures there are so 
many venues of Spanish. There's, you know, Portuguese and stuff like this and all these other regional dialects and stuff mm-hmm. like this. And, and that sort of gets into the, you yeah. know, even in the Hispanic community, there's still, you know, uh, racial tension between the, the more light skinned mm-hmm. um, Spanish you know, those with the more Spanish lineage versus those with the, you know, the more deeper uh, Hispanic native roots. There, there is still that racial tension there. Yeah. And that's yeah, so, something. So that, not, not everyone can get away from that. No. And that's the thing about in Hispanic, in our cultures, there's racism in our, you know, even in our cultures. Yeah. And that's where it's like my, my grandma Lopez is from San Luis Potosi. And so my grandpa Lopez was born in Texas. I think Granger. Um, I think north of um Austin, my mom said. So mm. my grandma Lopez's family was so looked, he's a hipster. looked down on. <laughs> yeah, he's a, you know, <laughs> Grandpa Lopez ancient his ancient hipster. But mm-hmm. um yeah, just My, I know you are, um, mm-hmm. but oh, now I forgot. Now I forgot what I was gonna. Now I forgot my yeah, yeah. The <laughs> now I the, forgot the, what I was the racism say. between the light skinned oh, and the dark skinned. Yeah, skin, like, and that's you know. the, and and that's the thing that I mean. My grandpa's, you know, Grandpa Lopez, being from Texas, um, his mother looked down on my mother. You know, my grandma Lopez's family because they were more native you know, they were more, you know, the darker. And so my mom said that, you know, my grandma Lopez, my mom's mom would tell her that grandpa Lopez's mom was mean to, Mm. you know, the, the grandma from, from Mexico, where it's like, they're dumb. They're from the village. You know, it's like, they would gossip about them being like, you know, it's like less than, and I mean, even in your own Mexican, but it's with the Latinos. I mean, there's a lot of fight, mm-hmm. you know, um, pushback about the Ariel with the Little Mermaid change. Now, <laughs> I mean, when yeah. that's yeah, where it's let's like get when, into that that later. Um, when I was a kid, yeah, that's where it's like knock, knock my cane on. When I was a kid, I, there was more outlash because of selena being played by jennifer lopez who wasn't mexican so that is a good example of there's tension you know even 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 in the movie there was like you know when you're when you're you're not enough for this and you're not enough for that oh my mom that's the perfect i mean because my mom is born here so she's mexican-american but she's definitely that's the one part in the selena movie that it's like my mom says it's so true and it's like you know being mexican-american you're not american enough for the americans and you're not mexican enough for the mexicans and so being biracial that's a good example of it's like what side is gonna accept you or you know exactly it's like, which is what i was mm-hmm. saying earlier of yeah. the you know the whole race war tension mm-hmm. you don't choose who accepts you exactly i mean even though you may imprint with you know a certain people that doesn't mean the other people are, are gonna you know be on board as well 
Mm-hmm. And you even in the the Selena movie, which you know is pretty much required viewing here in Texas. Oh, um, Selena! Is that that there was a part where you know um, Selena was mm-hmm. talking to the the Mexican press, and they were you know worried that oh she because she doesn't know Spanish firsthand, mm-hmm. she's not fluent in it, that they're going to tear her apart, mm-hmm. and what they showed was her, you know, going up to them and charming, you know, pretty much everybody, you know, getting to know, getting, building that sort of, you know, um, you know, intimate, you know, uh, uh, kinship with everybody, you know, just getting to everybody, you know, kissing mm-hmm. them on the cheek, you know, familiarizing herself, endearing herself to them mm-hmm. so that when she did get up and, and, you know, and talk and make crack a joke, everybody laughed instead of sneering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, you couldn't, that movie right there that scene kind of sums it up where it's like the worry and tension because i i mean living in colorado here the town i'm in um there's a lot of hispanic people and a lot of good mexican food ooh, and good mexican markets and panaderias for pan dulce um and so i i Physically, I look like my mom, so I have darker skin than even my brother. My people think my brother is Middle Eastern, but I definitely look like my mom, where I have dark hair, dark eyes. You know, my skin is tan, but I'm five seven, and all of her, you know, all the Latinas in the family are like four ten. To oh, like yeah. five two, and so oh, I'm like so an you're Amazon Amazonian next to them. Yes, exactly, exactly. But um, yeah, you don't. I mean, I try to speak Spanish to like the the people you know um, at the Mexican markets or anything, and I just you know I worry because it's like I, I don't speak that well of Spanish and my Spanish sounds like a white Minnesotan, you know, is saying it. Mm-hmm. If you just hear my voice. <laughs> so yeah, you got the accent. Now. But I, you know, I try. And that's the one thing in Selena where she has a quote and it's like, she's proud of her Mexican heritage. You know, she didn't have the, the opportunity to learn Spanish as a kid. And it's, it's never too late to get in touch or love your roots. And so that is, that's another quote from her that, you know, it does, it sticks with me because, you know, it's never too late to learn because you do look down, you are looked down upon if you're Mexican and you don't speak Spanish, but neither did the Aztecs. They didn't speak yeah. Spanish. That's my sassiness. Yeah, I know. Like, I, 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 use, <laughs> I use that too. I use yeah. that too. I, I do the whole world. Neither did Neither did the Aztecs, you know, because there's that meme where it has like the Aztecs and, and they're like, yeah, we didn't mm-hmm. speak Spanish either. I, yeah, I think I know exactly that meme. <laughs> and and it's, it's a mixed bag, you know, but it's sort of become establishment now. And, and I, and I see where that's also important that we have to preserve that history type of thing. And, and but mm-hmm. preserving history doesn't mean you have to give up yours type of thing. I mean, preserving your history now and that's where it's unfortunately in this day and age, it just seems like it's going to cause tension and it's going to cause issues and drama on Facebook or the internet where, you know, it's like, I didn't experience this maybe five, 10 years ago, 
you know. Yeah, yeah. Everything is so much more polarized now. And Mm -hmm. I I do understand it because, I mean, on most social issues, you and me are probably, you know, at ends. Mm -hmm. But this is something where we do have common ground that we can talk about. You know, and yeah. and when it comes to the the whole um, bringing up like historical stuff like this, you know, I mean, I do feel like even in the paranormal community, which has been very open and welcoming to people, mm-hmm. you know, even though some people try to complain, well, there's not enough X, there's not enough Y, and it's like, well, the, they have to show up. Oh you know? gosh, yes, exactly. Because um, I'll tell you, this is a good example of it. Um, so for Spaced Out Radio, they did mm-hmm. uh, women in ufology, and I was one of the ladies picked to be on um, a segment. And so the lady who um, put it together, she said that on Twitter, you know, um, th- there's fight back, you know, people saying comments about it. And one of the things was saying, like, there's not, there's no diversity there. And it's like, no, there was like Christina Gomez and me and another person. So like oh we God, are Christina Gomez. I, huh? I've seen I've I've just gotten into her YouTubes mm-hmm. or, or her, her Instagram. Yeah. And she does these funny videos where she has her eyes bulging out because she's doing a, a funny reaction thing and her eyes are so huge it it's like intimidating to me. <laughs> it's like watching that. a cat just do the, the Irish thing where <laughs> I'll have to check out her. I'm friends with her on Facebook, but not Instagram. I'll have to check out her Instagram. But she's, she's, she's a right. I, I got to reach out to her sometime. But, but yeah, we, yeah. you know, we like she's light skinned. I would say mm-hmm. I don't know her. I don't know her makeup, her heritage, but I do know she's Hispanic. She knows about La Chancla, the chon- you know, the flip flop, yeah. La Chancla. Yeah, and yeah. so, you know, it's there was and we had a transgender um lady um yeah uh, cheryl costa yes i love cheryl she is another witch yeah, you, you had done a witch show with her yeah she is very adamant into that and but but right now you know get get back yeah we'll we'll talk that later it just just i didn't, I didn't want to detract yeah but we um like there was diversity on the panels but now say if there was 30 now say if there's 20 ladies you know there's maybe two or three that are ethnically by oh no jess so there was there was like four um you know uh people of color and so when people are saying about there needs to be more diversity well i hate to tell you this but i mean if you look at the ufology field if you look at the paranormal field a lot of it the minority count is we are in the minority you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, you really can't complain if no one shows up, but yeah, I have a, Mm -hmm. I have a, another Hispanic friend who he, he talks to people in the ghetto. He talks to people, Mm -hmm. you know, and it does seem like paranormal shit is a first world problem because this does happen to people in the hood and stuff. And they just don't talk Mm -hmm. about it because Mm -hmm. it's frowned upon, you know, like, like sort of like, you know, I mean, go into a, to a deep ghetto and, and find the homosexual, you know, you, you're not going to find it. You're not going to find that element there. Same thing with, uh, with, you know, people talking about alien abductions, you know, it's just something that's, that's heavily frowned upon. And, and I guess through machismo, you know, it's just pushed out of the, the conversation. 
And, and yeah. it's just, it's, it's a very sad thing that, you know, more people could talk about it, but I guess due to, you know, demographics, they're, they're culturally, it's culturally suppressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, um, like my Mexican side of the family, they didn't ever talk about UFOs or anything like, or ghosts or anything like that. Um, my grandma Lopez wouldn't watch me, wouldn't let me watch. Are you afraid of the dark? when I was a kid because they had cable and we didn't. Um, and so um, not every culture is going to be the same, but looking at um, like TikToks from Mexico, be it alien or UFOs, it seems like people are, it's not as a big deal as it is here in the States where um, like, it's just, maybe it's, because of the culture, like it's just a part of, you know, it's a part of what they were taught and it's maybe no big deal or kind of like what you said too. But I do notice that there are, there is a difference between uh, like paranormal field in, you know, Mexico, cause they'll have like the witches, the flying brujas, you know, and it, out, up here, it's like people scoff at it, but what is it? I don't know. I'm a open mind, but I'm a, I'm a skeptic with an open mind, you know? So who knows what it can be, but it just seems like, yeah, they have a different um, attitude yeah. towards the paranormal. Yeah. 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 The, the international, like what I was talking about was mostly the inner city Mm-hmm. attitude american yeah. unique american inner city but when you bring up the international type of uh view on paranormal stuff like this yeah that is a good point that they're very nonchalant about it and mm-hmm. i mean even to the point that some people you know regard it like oh well that it sort of besmirches you know i guess besmirches them it could be self-defeating when they bring it over here like what was that one guy? Uh, I forget his name, but he's 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 Mexican, and he's like the, the the people call him the Mexican George Knapp, and he'll he'll bring like he does a, like a lot of um, a lot of uh, um, documentaries and stuff. But because know, like I, a lot of the I see him in my mind. I forgot his yeah, name, yeah, but I yeah. I'm pretty sure it's the same individual you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And because a lot of his stuff has been you know shown to be fraudulent like not not him being fraudulent but he reported on it and then it later turned out that it was you know that the that the person that it was a hoax mm-hmm. but because of that you know he sort of has when he comes to the american market mm-hmm. there's still this this stink on him that the sort of you know like oh the, the, this guy pushes hoaxes and stuff of that nature when when he's just a, a reporter reporting on stuff you know and, yeah, and it definitely. is sort of a, a thing, and I guess it's because they're more relaxed up there. I guess it's probably easier for for um, hoaxes and stuff like that to to propagate. Whereas over here, we're extremely stringent. But then that's because majority of ufology has like a big old stick up its ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. Well, I mean, um, I was gonna say um, Carl Sagan. He smoked weed, so. I mean, that's a example of a ufologist maybe not having a stick up its butt, but ah, way, shit. way long ago. Maybe he he probably did, but I'm just, I'm, I'm joking around with you. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I wish fucking Neil deGrasse Tyson would smoke some fucking weed because he's got to stick up his ass. Man, you know, I, I shared like a clip. I don't think anyone likes him. Or if you, people do like him, you have to question that person. But hmm. there's a clip of Neil deGrasse Tyson making fun of a young boy because he messed up the pie, re- reciting pie numbers. And he was like, like, there's a clip. And I saw it. And so it's like a Zoom where, you know, um, four people on the screen. And so on the one corner, there's a boy, maybe 10 years old, reciting pie and he messed up. And so Neil deGrasse Tyson is like, you messed up, idiot. And I was like, but what I saw, the clip ended like that. And I'm like, maybe there's something else. I have to find the longer version of it. No, that was it. He made fun of a kid for messing up pie. And he was legit calling a kid an idiot. I'm just like, who does that? Like, I thought he was joking. No, he wasn't. He's not a very personable person. But he is this authority and he does wave it around and he will intentionally Mm -hmm. troll people. (laughs) And I remember... I, I got to be careful because I don't want to take up all your time talking about how much I hate him, <laughs> but it's just a, it's just this nature where, you know, and, and the thing is his, his awkwardness, cause he is a nerd. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. a nerd with power and that yeah. got him into some me too trouble a while back where, where oh. someone, one woman with a, with a galaxy tattoo and he mm-hmm. wanted to see her Uranus or something like that nature. He, he, he made an awkward crack. And the thing is, someone who wasn't a nerd would be able to pull that off, but he's a nerd, so he fucked it up. Mm-hmm. But that that just shows, you know, just the whole how you carry yourself in this field yeah. type of thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, go ahead. And and another thing that I can bring up, you know, just real quick, mm-hmm. when it comes to um, the the paranormal, one of my big grievances with paranormal is we fetishize the fuck out of native american people out of northern yeah. native american people mm-hmm. e- even in the canadian market you know i mm-hmm. i hear them too and and they just fetishize the shit out of them you like when you hear people talk about the wendigo and the skinwalker we basically turn them into action figures and shit like this and that's like sensitive cultural stuff because i don't like using the term skinwalker i don't like using the term Windigo, unless it's in reference to something specific, because when I hear people talk about that, like, okay, now you're just talking Star Wars and shit. You know, you're just talking action figures. And <laughs> and we. Yeah. And when we, cause we treat the native American culture and the people like they're a, like we treat police officers and first responders in that we, we, we put them on a pedestal because they have this air of credibility. And because we want that credibility, we grab them and we just squeeze them and rub them all over us. Like, like they'll, like we can somehow get their credibility stink on us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a cat rubbing its face to get pheromones on you. Yeah, exactly. Just, mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we do that with native American people and their culture. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it, it sickens me. It, well, it really it gets thing under my skin. I have been told 
by a Caucasian man, many a Caucasian men that Mexicans aren't Indians or not Native Americans. And it's like, no, you don't know history. <laughs> like, I, I don't like, but then that's the thing that the individual parroted Native American statistics where it's like, I don't think you even have done research. You're just parroting stuff. And it's like, I mean, the border crossed us, you know, the border mm -hmm. changed what, you know, it's like what happened to the Native Americans that, you know, it's those that border towns where it's like the ones up north get, you know, benefits or, you know, it's versus like the, the ones, you know, southern of that border are just like you discredit, you know, it's like disowned, like you're not, you're no one, you know, it's like, think about those people, you know. Or that's where it's like my empathness. It's like I, I care about people too much, but yet I can't stand people. <laughs> mm -hmm. But um, mm -hmm. that that's that's the thing where it's a lot of yeah the the Native Americans in the states it is fetishized where it's like it's we're people, you know, it's like, we are in the, in the umbrella of the indigenous people of North America, you know, the first nations, the border, you know, of North, they're first nations. And it's like the people in South aren't credited to be natives, you know, um, in some, some people's eyes where it's like, there still needs to be a lot of education, but I mean, like we discussed, we can give education, but we might get fight back, you know, yeah, from it. Yeah, but yeah. it kind of, you know, it needs to, you know, the younger generations need to keep sharing stuff. So that way, you know, things don't happen again is kind of the way I see it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I could su support of see that, but then I could also see where, you know, the, the North and South America are, you know, they, they, because there's such a vast distance there, I could totally see, you know, each, each continent or, or, or each, yeah, pretty much each continent, pretty much growing into it, its own thing and sort of like, you know, like, yeah, we're, we're us, you're you stay over there. We'll stay over here type of thing. And I can see mm -hmm. that evolving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like we're all people, we're all family. We should just get along. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that that you bring up though is a lot of uh, cultural appropriation type stuff. Mm -hmm. And I remember when um, comedian Bobby Lee, before mm -hmm. he he got beat up by Brian Callen and and, and <laughs> trolled by Brendan Schaub, mm -hmm. uh, he he was asked. You know, there was this case where this girl, this white girl had put a Chinese dress on and taken it to prom. And she got a lot of flack for that. And mm -hmm. they asked Bobby Lee about that. And Bobby Lee being a uh, Asian, you mm -hmm. know, he said like, you know, he doesn't have a problem with that because, you know, it's the, the whole, if you were to take back the whole, you know, like um, the appropriation culture, you know, like, well, how far back do you go? Mm -hmm. You know, and then of course he cracked a joke. Well, she's not fucking any Chinese guys, so so yeah, I'm gonna frown on that. You know, but that that's just him making a joke. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that 
he pointed out how he's wearing a Western style shirt. He's wearing Western style jeans. He's speaking English. You know, wouldn't he then be guilty of the same thing? And that all our cultures are so mishmashed now mm-hmm. that that I can understand wanting to preserve cultural aspects, but in an aspect, I guess some people feel put off by it by that it's like a form of of of, of I guess trying to uh, I'm trying to think of a word that's that's gatekeep. better than gatekeep, but that's oh. probably <laughs> the best word to describe it. Yeah, and in some instances, I do feel that that you know gatekeeping is good like cultural preservation is good but that's like when it's historical record but then if you're if you're indulging in a culture you're not besmirching it or or smearing it you know because i've seen the the memes of you know my culture is not a costume but at the same time we're all guilty of that because we've we're the ones that designed the costume we're the ones that are selling it in all this cross uh, trans- transatlantic everything and in, in all this international stuff, we're putting our culture out there and we can't get mad at people for liking it, um, mm-hmm. for, for wanting to, to be a part of it. I mean, in Japan, they have Yankee culture where they, they, they pantomime white people and they'll pantomime black people too. And, it, and it's like, you know, to us, yeah, it's that's culturally insensitive. Culture. In Japan, they have lowrider culture, so there's people in Japan that are, you know, dressing like cholos and cholas. Um, So, uh, yeah, I I definitely understand what you're saying. Yeah, and and at the the same time, you know, we sort of, we all made a zoo of our culture in the tourist shops, you know. So it's sort of, it's our own fault in a way. We sort of share a bit of the blame but I, I, I kind of want to make the, the argument that, you know, that maybe like there, that there probably is a difference between, you know, preservation of the culture and getting upset, you know, throwing out accusations of, of cultural appropriation. Like some people try to use the term cultural appreciation, but that's not, that's not picking up any slack. But yeah, I, I, I do think mm-hmm. that you know, what you're doing is important, you know, is understanding the, the, the more, I guess, unfiltered aspects of a culture is important to learn out there for educational purposes. But at that same time, I don't think that we could be mad for someone getting it face painted, you know, like the La Braza, getting it face painted at a, at a festival, especially when it's a Hispanic person doing it and making money off of it. You know, Yeah. I, and that's the thing where, like about the guy that was arguing with me um he wasn't listening and just going off and saying about appropriation this and that and this and that and it's like i never once said that word and he's saying about well i can i not you know can i not do yoga because i'm not from that can i not and it's like i never said any of that like the post was about doing day of the dead on halloween when you're not a part of the the family it doesn't say anything about what color you have to be if you're adopted in a if you're white adopted in a mexican family you're that family you know mm. and so and it's on halloween is when it would be a costume now the day after mm-hmm. is the day of the dead that's where it's offensive and it's rude because someone isn't respecting the culture on that day and so that's where i have 
like that's where I guess my issue would be is like if someone's just doing it because they think it's cool and they don't do any research about the history about it at all like that's what you know um I don't appreciate but as far as like cultural appropriation like I mean I'm not gonna say it's someone's cultural appropriating you know on you know the next day because if it's at a festival like you were saying like there's no issue I don't have an issue with it because mm-hmm. they're appreciating the culture and it's done by like you said you know uh Hispanic probably small business that you should support um and that's where the person wouldn't even understand about why yeah. not to do it on that day and yeah, so yeah the person just kind of threw everything left and right and this and that. And it's like, that's not what I'm saying. Like you're saying that, like, I love Japanese culture. Like I think I was Japanese in a past life because (laughs) of how quickly I picked it up and I have visions of stuff, you know, um, that I think are past life. So there are people that if you are fascinated with the culture, you could be that in a past life. So it's like, you know, I, it's when people do it in a mocking manner, that isn't okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what we're having is a broader conversation, which you probably can't have with 140 characters on Facebook or whatever. Right. You know, you, mm-hmm. I mean, and and I'm not just throwing the iotis on social media because I'm pretty sure that you were met with ill intent, you know, because I, I get that as well. You know, the whole I'm, I'm pretty sure I've done that as well, you know, because that that whole, you know, culture war stuff, because I I get ingrained in it, too, uh, you know, unfortunately. And and it's just a, it's, it's just one of those things that people feel like they're they're that the battle lines have been drawn type of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you're on one side, I'm on the other, so we have to fight type of thing. But what we had now was a sort of, you know, a, a longer, broader, nuanced conversation, which I don't think social media promotes. And, and mm-hmm. that's just me being an old man. Well, it's, this was an older individual, so they're set in their ways and they might not understand how to use Facebook and but I, there's who knows, but yeah, yeah. that's you're, I'm going to run into people like that my entire life. And I've run into people like that. I have my entire, you know, my entire life. So it's nothing, it's nothing new. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, and making, you know, making sure that we come to an understanding that does take a greater effort. And when you're just a point and click type of thing, you know, you, People really aren't making that effort to have that that conversation. Yeah, yeah, it's like, not a like, platform to do that. Yeah, like with my my prior guest, um, mm-hmm. Azure's from on Wednesdays we talk weird. Me and her, you know, because because she does post rage bait shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I I I told I, I told her, yeah, you got rage bait on your on your Facebook, and she's like, yep, I sure do. And we got into it a couple <laughs> times, but. It was, you know, over the phone. We had a long, drawn-out conversation. And then whenever I would post on the stuff, you know, I 
I would make sure that to, to fully illustrate that, that what I, that any posts that I'm making on her posts are not an attack mm-hmm. that I'm just trying to, you know, make a point or come to a different, provide, uh, an alternative point of view or provide, a a counter argument that Devil's might advocate. be from somewhere else, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, and just try to, you know, maybe see things a little bit differently from another perspective that it's not an outright attack type of thing, you know, and, 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 you know, we had like that, that long conversation on that. And it was like a two hour conversation on a, you know, throwaway paragraph shit post type of thing. But that's the thing is you're not going to have that with traditional social media. You're not going to have that, you know, on Facebook and stuff like that, you know, because in, and it is sort of sad, but again, it's on the discretion of, you know, the people coming after you that, that they have to realize that. And, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. do you really want to get into that? Or do you want to just have your shit post and, and then, and then just, you know, I, I guess fester your retweets or whatever, whatever counts as, as clout in the social media sphere. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I understand. I get that for sure. So you want to talk Little Mermaid and shit like that? <laughs> um, if you want to, I mean, I, oh, I I really don't want to get into the Little Mermaid, but I, I've never seen the Little Mermaid, so <laughs> yeah, I'm well. It's it's a it's a it's a funny issue because we've well, let me let me let me cut. Well, let's get over this other hurdle first is the woman king. Mm-hmm. Have you heard the controversy around the woman king? Well, I know it's a fictional story. Like I know yeah, it's like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But Yeah, but that's... the but the the real tribe that it was based on was they, they weren't the good guys apparently. Mm. And it was a story, a fictionalized story written by, you know, two white women. You know, to to I, I I'm taking a wild guess here because it's an English American white women. Mm-hmm. So it, it's sort of like a, a like a second, third hand retelling of history. And this entire episode, we've been going on and on about the importance of the preservation of history. That, you know, that I guess these people, the authors were probably desperate to tell a feel good story. And then they just picked, you know, just at, I don't know. They just picked an account of, of, a, of a certain tribe and then they fictionalized it. And then, and then when, when people dug into what it really was, you know, mm-hmm. it, it like it blew up in their face type of thing. Even, even black people are boycotting this film. There's a, there's a hashtag, you know, that came out of black Twitter, which was boycott woman King. Mm-hmm. When the historical context of it got out, and and I you know I mean I find this extremely shocking. But well, it, it's on one hand I'm surprised, on the other hand I'm not because you know it it could we go on you know like the the slur of woke and how I do feel that entertainment is tone deaf in some aspects that that everything gets stuck in the hoopla of the idea of something that its execution is probably not as well thought out. But with this. You know, because it's it's in the first week it made like 19 million 
So we'll have to see. It's a developing story because I don't mm-hmm. know what's going to go on. Mm-hmm. And this isn't based off of superheroes or comic books or anything like this. So I've right. got no dog in this fight, you know, but, but as far as, but I am interested in it from a historical context is that, you know, people wanted an original story. You know, they keep saying like, oh, it's not a remake. It's an original. And then when they get an original, this is what we're, this is what we're given this sort yeah. of, you know, uh, 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 juxtaposition of history, which, you know, I mean, for some people would be very offensive. And, and for those, those of us who aren't involved, who are simply adjacent, you know, we're, I mean, I don't, I don't know what to make of it. Yeah. I guess I hadn't heard, I hadn't heard all of that, all of the, um, information regarding that movie. So that's, definitely interesting that's some tea right there for me yeah. yeah i mean it's 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 a sort of um i'm trying to think of an like a, a, a an example that i can make up that would be just as it's like having a i don't want to do godwind i do not want to do godwind argument it's it's like having a a, I mean, I a stalin understand. it's like having a stalin Mm-hmm. It's like making a comedy about Stalin, you know, in in a bakery or something like this as a, as a little boy mm-hmm. and how he grew up to be a great man and all this stuff like that. It, it's something like that, like making a comedy about Stalin that makes him look like an endearing character. Humanizes the humanizes an evil person. Yeah, yeah, someone who is historically, you know, uh, not not a not a mm-hmm. aspirational figure. Mm-hmm. And and it's sort of something like like that you know, doing that sort of something in that vein mm-hmm. and and doing it sort of in, in a way that it's not done as a joke. Right. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I would, I would boycott it too. I mean, <laughs> it's, it, it's interesting. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. like I have heard uh, about African um, tribes led by women. Now, I don't think, so that's where it's like, I thought of maybe it was, about that but it's i guess it's not and so i guess my 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 judging point would be what are, were the people the the writers intentions on it now mm-hmm. is it just something to make money off of people of color off of their story and struggles and everything like that and it's like well Maybe that's karma if it blew back in your face, <laughs> but mm. I mean, well, I mean, you know, there, there, there could have been better examples <laughs> if they had dug more historically. <laughs> I'm sure they could have found better examples. Right. Uh, I'm trying to think here. Is they also could have, you know, made it up like, like, yeah, this is inspired by Amazonian warriors. They did exist, but <laughs> we're fictionalizing this aspect of them to make a great move like with gladiator yeah like in gladiator all of the people existed they didn't exist in that context and the main character was completely made up Mm -hmm. but it was you know it was a good movie it was an entertaining movie they could have done something like that with you know the the woman king yeah and and you know satisfied everybody you know created a fictionalized aspirational character touched on real life events and stuff of that nature Mm-hmm. But it doesn't sound like that step was taken. Yeah. Which is very unfortunate because, you know, mm-hmm. this is trying to to fill a void. 
you know, of, of having, you know, more prominent, you know, black entertainment mm-hmm. out there, which, you know, cause not everything can be, you know, um, not everything can be black Panther or blade. Right. Even though those are two really cool ass movies and I'd rather have more of that than, you know, but Hey, you know, other, other people need to go to the theater too, and they don't want to watch the superhero shit. Mm-hmm. I get it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, really wanted to bring that up speaking with you mm-hmm. because talking about you know because you are talking about you know the importance of of history and, and historical stuff and there's uh an instant of where we saw on a, on a large scale of historically the ball being dropped mm-hmm. yeah. so that that just makes you know the stuff that you do i think more important thank you i appreciate that yeah, that's interesting. I did not. I'm gonna have to go on YouTube and look at look at some uh, look at some stuff after this about the about that movie. <laughs> yeah i I don't know what to make of it. I really don't want to get into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, I get it. I I mean, I don't. And that's the thing about like cultural appropriation, like mm-hmm. uh, about dreads, where it's like white people with dreads. Or, I mean, even Rage Against the Machine, like, the lead singer, he's half brown Mexican. You know, he had dreads. I mean, that was a little, like, well, for me, it's like, dreadlocks are part of a religion. And, like, that's not, like, that's part of that religion. And so, you know, it's like, it makes me feel uncomfortable when I see, but I'm not going to tell someone you can't, I'm not going to tell someone that is white or whatever skin tone that's different that they can't do something because it's cultural appropriation. That's not my place. You know, it's not Mm -hmm. my place to, you know, to do that. And they might not have bad intentions, you know? So, but, and that's the thing where it kind of sounds like the movie where it's Mm -hmm. like, well, I, I, I don't really have a place. Um, you know, I don't really have a dog in the fight, um, but I, it's, interesting to see how it unfolds yeah and and it's like and i've heard the counter argument of well there were the romans also had dreadlocks as well and i'm like well i i I haven't seen any you know uh i haven't seen any uh statues with caesar sporting some dreads so i i don't know i mean (laughs) i i don't know enough to make that judgment i mean um like an example would be like uh, stretched ears. Like I have my ears gauged. And when I was younger, my dad, like my dad hates tattoos and colored hair and everything. So I'm basically like what he told me freaks looked like in Minneapolis, Mm -hmm. like the city people, like the artists, you know, with different color hair and tattoos. And like, I, I became that. (laughs) Um, And so um, my dad would say, take those out about when they were, they were small, like really, mm-hmm. really small. And so I was a teenager and yeah. I, I didn't take them out. I went bigger. Mm-hmm. And my dad, like maybe six months later was like, are those getting bigger? And I was like, no, because you, <laughs> you get the same color of, you know, in different sizes. So it's like, I, w- I would go up in size and it would aesthetically look the same and so like I just yeah I went bigger and so I've stayed at the size I'm at now for like maybe 
over 10 years, but um, doing research, uh, Aztecs had their, you know, uh, ears stretched, but the, the material in it uh, meant certain things like the midwives at the time, uh, they wore turquoise um, in their ears. So like that was a status symbol. Um, mm. So like that could be cultural appropriation, you know, I could, but I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not, it, it's, it's a more accepted because it's in all, it's in a lot of cultures. It's not just Aztecs. Aztecs didn't just, weren't the only ones that stretched their ears, mm. but. Yeah. Turquoise has now been like taken by the Midwestern wine moms. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's the thing where it's like, you know, I'll see non-native people selling Native American jewelry that they get from them, like reselling it. And it's like, my thoughts are, are the artists paid adequately? Because I am an artist myself. I, I'm a crafter. I, I make stuff. I, you know, been sewing and everything since a little kid, my grandma and mom are just crafters. So when I see something I like, I figure out how to make it. Um, and so, Oh, I, oh, I went off on a tangent and then I forgot what my point was. Something about the secondhand market. Um, oh, but, you know, people, I, me being a crafter, I understand the work, the hard work that goes into it. And so when I see people that are non-native selling native made handmade goods, my thought is I hope that, you know, the people that are making it are you know, being paid adequately and it's not someone just ripping off, you know, to resell it, to make a lot of money. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of get that. But, you yeah, know, but people do kinda... what they want, you know, it's, yeah, it's like, let's just let people do what they want. But <laughs> I mean, I, you know, being a person that does stuff with the, their hands, I always make sure no matter what the artist is, you know, that they're, paid adequately for their time and energy that is put into that piece of art. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's good. That's good. I'm, you know, being an artist in myself as well, it's, mm -hmm. it's sort of a, a, a thing that, yeah, I can appreciate that just so long as, as the, the original person got paid and they're still making money off of it mm -hmm. because the, the secondhand market, like a lot of authors, you know, they, they hate when their when their stuff winds up in secondhand bookstores. And me, being an artisan myself, you know, I mean, me, I love the idea of, you know, secondhand bookstores. You know, not just because I'm cheap, because I am cheap, stuff. but it introduces you to stuff that you otherwise might not have found. Like, mm -hmm. you're more likely to find hidden treasures mm -hmm. in in secondhand stuff and, and also... I'll always make the argument of, well, this is how you find new readers. This is how you find a new audience is that people who might not have, you know, given your stuff when it was in the, in the, the first run a chance will instead give it, you know, a chance in the second, second hand market. But then when you come out with something new, you, you have a, like a new reader that's going to give your first run stuff a, a chance. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, 
I mean, how many times has a sale led to more sales? It's like, mm -hmm. if your work is good, then people will come back for more. People will like, oh, I really like this book. Let me get the rest in the series or let me find more from this author type of stuff. So so whenever I, I hear about the secondhand accounts, I see that as, you know, it, it's sort of like another form of, of getting, it's extending the life of the artist. That mm -hmm. That's just how I see it. No, I agree. I fully agree with that. Um, but yeah, it depends on what how the author is. If I mean, if I wrote something and I saw it in the second hand, I would be like maybe optimistic and that person, you know, read it and they took something from it and they want to want someone else to, you know, take something from that, you know, book. So I'm, I'm in that camp with you where I would think it's a, a compliment where it's the potential it's reaching more people, you know? Yeah, I can only have so many books on my bookshelf for show. <laughs> yeah. Because I only got so much room. <laughs> exactly. Anything that you want to conclude or wrap up on? Or do you want to like not try to try to go in on the Little Mermaid stuff because we were teasing it, but we never really talked about it? Um, I mean, I guess I don't really... I'm open to whatever. Um, if you don't want to, it doesn't, you know, I'm not dying. Yeah, so well, can... it's, 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 I... I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of like, I, I do feel like it was sort of like done out of spite. That That's my opinion. Mm -hmm. Because Disney for decades, decades has established this specific look for Ariel. And yeah, the actress, she, she does, she's still, she still has the green, all of the iconic stuff on it. And I, they could have made her hair a bit more redder you know, to satisfy me, but I really mm -hmm. don't care. Mm -hmm. But it's like, well, you, you establish this iconic look and then you take a bit of a departure from it and you can't be mad or you can't be shocked that people are upset because you've brought them up on an iconic look. I mean, even when Ben Affleck was, was being Batman, he mm -hmm. had tiny ears on his thing and People were pissed, even though it was, you know, canonical and Batman did have tiny ears like this in one of his renditions. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it just wasn't it just he's iconic with having the big ears type of thing. So that's sort of my argument is that it's sort of, you know, you know, you have a built in audience that's familiar with a certain iconic look. And then you're sort of, you know, you know, toning down that iconicness type of thing. And and there has been sort of a push in Hollywood, you know, this gets into culture war shit mm -hmm. of, of, you know, where ginger people, where redheads are being replaced by by black people. And but they're they're not making that they're not keeping them ginger type of thing. And in the comic books and stuff like this, the, the gingers, it was a way to distinct a character. And also ginger people are like more like they're a minority as well. We see them all over mm -hmm. our fiction and stuff like this, but as far as, you know, an actual people, you know, they're extremely rare as well. So it's like you're, you're replacing in an effort to, to lift up a minority. You're doing it like by running over another minority. And it's like, I mean, and also, you know, there, there's this whole like argument of like, well, you're just, palette swapping a character then you know type of thing and 
and then whenever it's done, it's usually, you know, it usually supports like poor writing. And then the outlash is more of like, well, this is, this is a poorly written character. And then, and then the, the, the establishment comes up and says, Oh, you just hate that character because they're black. And, mm-hmm. and that's used as an argument. And, and it, it it's, it's, it's very long winded and co- I'm not, I'm trying to, to do it as, as show up as best as I can. But like I said, it's a long winded argument. And I, as far as with the little mermaid stuff, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, they, they can do whatever they want type of thing, but I, you know, I mean, if they get backlash, it's like, well, what do you expect? You know, you, you, you established Ariel as this specific iconic look, and then you do something, you depart from it. Like, well, yeah, of course you're going to get backlash. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, it's, there's a lot of different aspects to, to what the change, um, you know, I mean, I see a lot of middle-aged white men freaking out about it. It is that concerning? Should that be concerning that the demographic, that demographic is concerned about a little, you know, a little kid's, you know, uh, movie. Um, but I, hey, I'm so brony. What is that supposed to mean? <laughs> oh, that's okay. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> saying where it's like, you know, devil's advocate where it's like, Hey, exactly. you want to okay. do that? Yeah, okay. Well, think about that, you know? Um, but the thing is, but with those middle-aged white men, they have to throw the race into it. Now it can't be a, a, a like, I see people throwing race into it. And I think because it has to do with race, I mean, if she was colored purple, there, like you were saying, it's a, a change in the, the lore. So yeah, it, people it's, it's will. Like they're established property. Yeah. Yeah. So people are going to make a stink about it no matter what the change is, but because this change is being a race swap, um, it's gotten more like it's gotten huge. It's gotten bigger because it's a race thing. Now, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think Disney did it to piss people off. I think Disney just wants to make money and they're an mm-hmm. evil corporation. Um, and so it's nice. But the thing is the benefit of it. It's nice that, little black girls are going to have another, um, you know, princess or Disney character that is going to look like them. But I mean, when I grew up, there was no Mexican ones. The closest one I, I looked like was Pocahontas. So I had a Pocahontas jumpsuit. I have a picture of me in my Pocahontas jumpsuit holding a Beavis and Butthead VHS. <laughs> That sums up my childhood. (laughs) But um, so I don't like I'm not tied with Disney movies per se. Like I never had Barbies really growing up. My mom said that they bought me a couple, but I never played with them. So they never bought more. And I never asked That's on you. But I'm just saying I I (laughs) am coming from it as a for a different where it's not my childhood. It's mm-hmm. not my love. It's not a character that I'm going to die because it changed. You know, like it's 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 not that for me. 
And so I see it as it's good that black girls can have someone else. Now, yeah. now I mean, again, it's like the corporation, it, it, you know, it's like, is the corporation really trying to uplift minorities? I don't think so. I think yeah, the corporation so is just trying to make money. Like with the gay, like for pride, where five, 10 years ago, there wasn't as much um, corporations having merchandise in it. The corporations realize they can make money more, it, more, you know, it, it widens the net of people that will give them money. And so I don't know. I don't think it's done in a great positive way, but I also don't think it's done out of spite to piss people off. Like, I think it's, they're changing, like times are changing and they're trying something new. And so I hate seeing it have to get into race issues because ultimately it's, it seems like, I, I don't know. It seems like if she was a different color I mean, if she was more yellow, if Asian, would it be that much of a backlash than what it is currently? I don't think so. Um, hmm. I think it being a black mermaid is going to be more triggering to the masses. Like I said, I wasn't, a, I'm not a Disney person. I mean, I guess now because Star Wars is Disney, right? Hmm. Um, I think so. I guess I am disney person now but you know i didn't i've never watched the little uh the bambi movie you know i've i i didn't watch certain things as a kid i guess um so it's not as iconic you know to me but it's nice seeing people excited about it and it's hurtful seeing people taking it to a race thing and bashing about it so well if the if the character was if they made her blonde i'm sure there would be just as much there would be you know backlash because it's it's like the red hair is you know like i like i made the argument before iconic Mm -hmm. um and and as far as what their their establishment is and and then and then you know doing doing digging into the movies i think that you know the the real crime of course you know the, the real crime of course is casting uh, Megan McCarthy as as Ursula, which is like, oh my god, because she's she's like a female comic that her 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 stick is just you know falling down and screaming, you know, and and I'm like, that's not Ursula, but but anyway, I, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, no, she's I'm very, just making a joke. <laughs> no, she's the physical comedian. Yeah. Yes, no, I, yeah. I I I know who you're. T- okay, yeah. I know who you're but, talking but about. But the 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 thing is is with that, and and then I think someone they did a, a a CGI race swap with it where they changed Ariel to white with red hair, with the, 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 the flashing red hair. And then that person was, you know, kicked off social media, you know, demonized and stuff like this. And it's like, well, if, if the race and stuff, you know, didn't matter, then, then why are we getting upset about that then? But then it, it's like, you know, well, like you were bringing up the argument of, of, well, so that way, so, you know, kids of color and stuff like that can see someone on screen that represents them. And then I'm like, but then I'm sure if you ask these same kids, well, who's your favorite star Wars character, they're going to probably say princess Leia or Luke Skywalker, someone who looks nothing like them, but has characteristics that they imbue in themselves. I mean, 
I don't it know. It could that be Lando they... Calrissian. You don't know. Yeah, that too. That too. <laughs> he has good style. He is very dapper. <laughs> his hair, yeah. his finger waves in place. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a cool dude. And and the thing is is that well, if you want to expand that, then create new characters. You know, sort of add to the mythos instead of replacing it. Yeah. Type of thing. Uh, and I think that would be better served because what was that one? Um, uh, what was it? The the Disney movie that came out a couple of years ago with the Hispanic family with superpowers. Oh, is it? I now I haven't seen those. I know I probably should, but I haven't. So I heard it's really I'm not good. sure. I'm not sure. Is it the um, like the Day of the Dead one? No, it's it's the, it the other it's, it's, one. It's a family one. It's it's like okay. this this family, the family members have superpowers, and, and it's very oh. it's heavily Hispanic. Interesting. And and again, that's like new characters, and, and one of the characters, the 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 strong, powerful muscle girl, she got like super popular. You know that that's sort of my thing. It's like maybe do that instead of trying to to palette swap everyone. Like I, I would prefer to see I would prefer to see uh, a roster added to rather than replaced. There has been um, a black mermaid in the cartoon. I think that I I've I've seen someone say so. It's like they could have, yeah, um, blown up that character because she was already in it you know um but yeah, and and I'll, mm-hmm. i don't know i i admit the the, the remakes they're not performing well mm-hmm. and and i don't know i guess it's because the established media is again it's out there it's iconic people recognize that and they see this the the live action stuff as sort of a pale imitation i mean i would be interested if they were to make like a companion movie like a side adventure like like you know, not just a reimagining, but like a, a companion adventure, like like Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Rogue One was a was it performed very well, and it was a companion to the series. It wasn't right. you know a, what it didn't replace anything. Mm-hmm. And like I would you know I guess you know I would prefer to see that you know maybe something in the world of the Little Mermaid but with like a, a new character that we get to know that we get to grow with that doesn't have expectations already placed upon them of what, of how the story is supposed to go mm-hmm. something where we can tread new territory, but I, they're not, they're not giving us that. No, I, I, I'm, I, I, I agree with you. Um, I mean, add, add to it, you know, variety is the spice of life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things where it's yeah, just I, I, a I sticky, understand. you know, it's one of the sticky yeah, arguments yeah, where it's like, it's just, yeah. huh, yeah. it's just. I, I, don't, I don't think we're going to, we're going to change each other's opinion or I don't think we've moved anything, but it, it's, it's, it's a good conversation. Yeah. And, I mean, know, I, I yeah. thank you for, for having that out with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where I'm like, I'm not a, that's where I'm like, I'm, I'm really not a diehard hard. <laughs> fanatic disney person so i'm not the i'm not the person to have a real good debate about that aspect of it but you know i share my my opinion (laughs) yeah and thank you i Mm -hmm. i did put i did put you into that corner and and you stood up very well it's just like with the new marvel movies and stuff like this you know it's something that was sort of like 
I grew up with type of thing. And and mm-hmm. I guess I think the last Disney movie I've seen was Mo- Moana and I loved it. I thought it was the coolest shit. Even though it was pretty much Uber driver on on the on the sea. That's pretty much what the movie was, but it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, I haven't seen that. I and that's the thing where I think I've just been an old soul. Mm-hmm. Like my I my childhood like I remember, I guess I, it was more Beavis and Butthead that I watched and like Rugrat, all Rugrats and, you know, other, other things. But yeah, I, I, I never really got, I never really got gung ho into like the, um, Disney or Superman or, you know, the action toys or anything yeah, like that yeah. I, mean, I sound I, I can... like a boomer i'm like i don't know what the kids what the what the kids are calling with those movies yeah yeah i mean well at the time it was well i got i guess i, I got I like into x-men it. though i like yeah. x-men i will say that i oh, do oh, like did you X-Men. hear that kiki palmer wants to play rogue she was uh oh. in nope she was i like nope. her i like i like her yeah. as an actress i would love to see her as 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 rogue because yeah. she wants to play the character and because she wants to play the character, I feel they're not going to let her do it. Right. Because she's going to say, well, actually the character wouldn't do this. And then she's going to be a problem on set if they do that. <laughs> Cause she's going to actually be familiar with the character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I'd love to see her as rogue. She'd make a great rogue. Yeah. I but like her, her energy. I still haven't um, seen. Nope. I've, I've seen. Nope. I would like to see it again. Um, you know, just to formulate everything. Cause it's like, yeah. I'm still questionable on the movie. I wish I die hard, like loved it. Like yeah. his, I love stuff. the, I love the idea behind it. Cause mm-hmm. I haven't seen it yet, but mm-hmm. I love the idea that it's about a sky creature instead of a, a, a UFO or like a real no, aliens and shit. Yeah. That's that where cause... being a ufologist and being so the, loving ufos like i was hoping mm. it was more that but yeah. and that's where i i see a lot of people um that were let down by it that yeah, wanted out. like the like especially like i mean you talk about the ufo people it's like yeah all the ufo people were like eh, about it but it's like i i like his i like the dude he's great stuff and yeah. i mean i liked his twilight zone series i mean not everyone did but I appreciated that. Yeah, it's just that that the the concept that he went with, I think, was very. It it was something different, and it really really interests me because, it it showed that he did pay attention to the deeper lore, because I re- do remember shows on Coast to Coast and shows on SOR of sky creatures of the sky jellyfish, and hearing of those stories. So that's sort of a, a deep. Mm-hmm. That's a deep cut that yeah. I really respect from him. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. that that's something that just excites me. And I think it only excites me because everyone is so used to, you know, uh, little green men and shit. Mm-hmm. Again, people, people want the iconic crap, you know, they, they want the, the prestige, yeah. the, whatever it is, the, the established, you know, the, the Lord. tried and true type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And they, they want to see that. And this is something new and different and, and a departure. And I feel a very good departure. But yeah, I, I oh God. It's change. It's at... still change. People don't <laughs> yeah. do well with change. 
ultimately. Well, no, yeah, no. <laughs> or it's like people have a hard time with change. Yeah. I, uh, me and one of my friends, Leslie, me and her, we're supposed to go and see it together in the theaters. I don't know if it's still in theaters or if we're going to get a chance to go do that pretty soon, but I, I really do want to go and watch it with her. I think and, you can stream it. Like a, like, like a, a review of it in, in a later episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be fun for you guys mm-hmm. to do. Because yeah. I know so. you can stream it now, but I don't have, I don't do Apple products. So the only, and this was we, when it first came out, I saw that it was available on Apple, um, but I didn't do any other um, investigating if it's on any streaming things that I have, which we have so many different streaming apps now. Yeah, it, it's crazy to keep up with them. But yeah, we, we, we've been at this for like almost two hours. And mm-hmm. thank you so much for, for taking this time with me. Um, we, we got into everything I don't want to get into anymore because it's like I've, I've taken so much of your time already. No, it was fun. We'll have to do it another time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So go ahead and let everybody know where we can find you. Yeah. So I am on Facebook and Instagram, um, thin Lizzie Borden. And on YouTube, you can check out my um, YouTube channel it's witch please all right thank you and Mm -hmm. good night folks good night everybody sleep well all right we'll talk to you later bye